You're listening to TWN Champions, episode number 35. Champions, arise! Welcome to the Champions Countdown Podcast, where we summon heroes from across space and time to populate our intergalactic museum or something like that. This is episode number 35. I'm Will, and picking at her most promising scab, it's Rebecca! There it goes! (laughs) It's bloody. (laughs) Those are the The best ones. You want the blood. The good ones usually is. (laughs) You were a you were a uh, a tree climbing kid. I was a tree climbing kid. I was actually just thinking how, if you are not in like a trade that causes injury, as an adult, you probably don't see a lot of scabs. No, it's been a long time since you had a scab. I was gonna say it's a thing for kids like all the time. Uh, You you have to be riding bikes or roller skating, pretty much. Yeah, I was a scabby kid. I was constantly injured. Oh well, it's close to it. Um, How's your vaccination wound? Oh, let me look at it. It was bruised. Yeah, mine's still there too, but I think it's because of the Band-Aid reaction. Yeah, you don't... Uh, yeah, it's still a little bit bruised. Okay. Uh, I, don't want, I don't love that, but I love that I got... I kind of wish it left like... You know how... Uh, oh, yeah, look. Can you look at it? Can you see I it? I can. It does have a little it's bruise. It's big. You know how like that generation that got the smallpox ones, you can still kind of see it? Yeah. Like Sharon Stone in movies, you could see it. You or could whatever. see her smallpox scar. I wish it would leave one, and I wish it would leave like a brand of like which brand one you got. I yeah, because we're, we're Modernas. Yeah, we're we got the Dolly Parton shots. Yeah. so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we talking about today? Well, now that we've discussed injuries and scabs. It seems very uh, apropos to announce that we're counting down our personal favorite takes on the gross archetype. I have four. Will has four. It's a top eight. I'm really proud of the number one this time. Just so you know, you won't be disappointed. This is my pledge. Please wait for it because it will be enriching. I, okay. I like, I like, this was your topic idea, but I really like this one because I like that kind of stuff. Me too, because I think that it will be a little bit educational, but mostly just more of a ranty one. And I feel like I don't have to tell people enough stuff. I just have to say how I feel. Yeah. Because, you know, who who wants to bother with making sentences make sense in your head? Well, you could just go, ooh. Well, how, well Rebecca, whole, have, people, have people always gone ooh? So, funny you would ask it that way. Uh, what we consider disgusting is culturally learned. Okay. Consider babies and children. Uh, they have to learn what's gross. And I, you know, parents out there will know that there's like a whole long period of being like, no, don't put that in your mouth. Ooh, that's nasty. No, don't do that. Okay. Their human being meter is just calibrated toward curiosity. And so is ours, all of us, because when you were a baby and a child, you don't know about germs. Like, you don't know what that is. Neither did medieval humans. Well, when you're saying this, uh, I was already, I was feeling a little resistant because I was, I was saying, is there not anything we were evolved to avoid? But then I'm thinking about 
kids eating bugs and stuff. So maybe less so than you would think, I guess. I, less so than you would think. I think everything is culturally learned. Even like grow up a little bit. You're in a food collecting society. What plants you can and can't eat? Like there is curiosity above there above. Yeah, or uh, even disgust. or even then eating bugs. Or even then, I mean, yeah. There's like there's not anything I think that we are just innately completely revi- like that we revile and that we don't learn to. So uh, I came across a great blog that, in the manner of Google rankings, was from 2010, but was, like, fantastic, and that's why it's still number one. Okay. And, like, meanwhile, you know, like, Foot Doctor in Toledo, they're battling it out for number (laughs) one. But this one's got, like, history of grossness in literature totally locked down. Okay. This is a great literary blog called Evening All Afternoon, and it was um, a woman named Emily... In Norbert Elias's classic sociological treatise, The Civilizing Process, he talks about what he called the threshold of repugnance and how that advanced in, in medieval Europe. Um, and then it sort of became synonymous with what we really consider to be civilization. And so, um, you know, things that you think are instinctual, very basic things like maybe don't pick up human excrement and show it to your friend, right? (laughs) What? These are actually behaviors that had to be learned. And we have like documented sources of people having to learn stuff like that. Um, (laughs) I like thinking that, 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 that there's a time when there are some real just like jerky, obnoxious people who were yes. just showing each other their chamber pots yes. until we told them not to. And there were, this is literally, okay, so this is, uh, it's dated 1609, uh, Galateo by Delicasa. I don't know, this is an early, uh, like, etiquette sure, guide. That. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like, yeah, I know that book. Yeah, I read it all the time. I got it from the Scholastic Book Fair. Um, so he says, it is far less proper to hold out the stinking thing for the other to smell, as some are wont, who are even urged the other to do so, lifting the foul-smelling thing to his nostrils and saying, I should like to know how much that stinks, when it would be better to say, because it stinks, I do not smell it. We had to learn not to do that. Yeah, but I like how they acknowledge there's a curiosity about it. Right, yeah, we are curious. But then also we have to be like, oh, if we're civilized, we can't be doing gross stuff. But 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 they are implying there is an innate fascination with it. Yes, absolutely. That is definitely true. And then um so according to, you know, this this very excellent blog, she says in other literature then it seems like that grossness became like a parallel with like a moral failing or to show Uh moral Uh repugnance. And um, it dates back as far as like Milton's Paradise Lost. Um, I just can't talk today. Paradise Lost, in in which the rebel angels fall from grace results in Satan's inbred children's sin and death, guarding the gates of hell, where a pack of dogs continuously devours and is born from sin's, sin's womb. Wow. So, you know what I mean? Okay. Like, there's, we have gross things to show moral repugnance, is what I'm saying. And then today, though, I would say it's for fun and yucks. Well, I, w- I, 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 I have found one thing that I think is a, br- a, a bridge between those two things that really cracked me up that was funny that I wanted to share. There's this book called Anomalies and Curiosities of Medicine which is exactly what it sounds like. And it was published in like the uh, early 1800s and people read it for the same reason 
we seek out this kind of stuff now. But listen to how they explain it and justify its existence. There's an introduction at the beginning of the book. Oh, like basically like why it's okay to look at the gross stuff yes. in this book for your it, edification. Exactly. They say... The strange and exceptional is of absorbing interest, and the philosopher gets the most searching glimpses into the heart of mystery and the ordinary. But then he really lays it on. <laughs> okay. Then he says, In monstrosities and dermoid cysts, for example, we seem to catch forbidden sight of the secret workroom of nature and drag out into the light the evidence of her clumsiness and proofs of her lapses of skill. <laughs> Evidences and proofs, moreover, that tell us much of the methods and means used by the vital artisan of life, the loom, and even the silent weaver at work upon the mysterious garment of corporeality. Holy. <laughs> oh, I get it. But really, that's a lot of crap because they're basically... The whole reason for this book is get a load of this. Yeah. That's just, they want you to gulp. This is a book for 1800s people to gulp at medical stuff we don't understand yet. I love all of that. And that's fascinating and, <laughs> and horrible and funny. Like, yeah, like that's, yeah. Now we want to see the tumor that has teeth in it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, like, and, and it's not like we're any fancier or better off than those people in the 1800s who ever wrote that. Like, yes. there's literally a show that you can go on Hulu right now and watch called Dr. Pimple Popper. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. That's a perfect example. And, but they had to dress it up because, like you were saying, it's all tied up in the in uh, morality and class and everything. But It's like, we're civilized, but nature's <laughs> not. We just need to see all the ways that nature's messing up because I would never do exactly. that. I would never grow a giant <laughs> cyst on someone's head. I, sir, I'm civilized. Well, let's look at this one, though. I mean, yeah, like, no, seriously, that is, get a load of this is a human... <laughs> We love we love gross we, stuff. It's fascinating. We do. There's a power in it. There's we you know we recoil from it, but then you also love to wield it and be on the other side and gross people out with it. It's true. So so, so yeah, it's a very rich topic. And like even if nowadays it's mostly done for like taboo breaking and um, to elicit laughter yeah. more than it is to to elicit a visceral or disgusted reaction. It's still like what you said though. Like you do have a little bit of power in grossing people uh -huh. out. But it's it is definitely uh, you're acknowledging that what you're doing is not civilizing, yeah. and it's like, ain't I a little stinker? Yeah. And then you know, there you go. <laughs> so uh, I don't know that we need to intellectualize this much further. I was because thinking, we've proven you can't. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You are a disgusting sack of meat, and you are gawping at other sacks of <laughs> yeah. meat, and they're all only marginally different from each other. Okay, everything is a big meat sack of viscera. And that's what we're dealing with, all of us. But Even the most put, beautiful. You can put ones. glasses and googly eyes on it, and that's us. Exactly. Yeah, but a little bit of self awareness, and looks into the mirror and says, "Is this me? <laughs> I am the other of that other. Get a load of that cyst." And that's that's it. So, like for me personally, on this list, I do have things that are like personally gross to me, and not just necessarily. Memorable, gross characters. Same, right? but a healthy dose of both. Okay. Well, I, I feel that we've successfully contextualized that. Do you do you want to hit us with your first gross item? Number eight. <laughs> 
Now, this is a relatively new entry into my world and life, which is great because most of them are from like 1992. Uh, starting off our countdown, I give you Daisy May from Animal Crossing's New Horizons. Animal Crossing New Horizons. I always pluralize the wrong thing. Animal, I, I sound like somebody's like real confused mom. Like, <laughs> you like that Animal Crossing's game? You know, the New Horizon one. Anyway. What's, what's that video game she got? It's called Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo? Yeah. Yeah, he got that Nintendo for Christmas. So Daisy she- May's a character in this Animal Crossing game. <laughs> yes. So picture this. It's Sunday morning and you're on your idyllic island in Animal Crossing New Horizons. The sun is shining and you're busy digging up fossils and giving your villagers gifts and shaking fruit off your trees when you catch a glimpse of a small orange boar with a basket of turnips on her head. It's Daisy May, and she's visiting your island to offer you turnips to purchase. Okay, in this game, turnips are bought and sold like a commodity. Uh So you buy them on Sunday, and then every day during the week, you go to the store and you see what turnips are selling for. So you can make a killing on turnips. Okay. okay? You can make a lot of bells doing the turnip. They, they, They call it play in the stock market. Okay, this does not sound so bad so far. Cool. I'm gonna, maybe I can become a turnip mogul. Can't wait to start playing the stock market. And you go to purchase from young Daisy May, who, let me remind you, was a little pig with bangs and a bonnet and a basket of turnips on her head, which sounds very cute, until you see a gigantic drip of blue liquid coming out of her nose <laughs> that just stays there and dangles when you talk to her. <laughs> does it move? It does. That's so gross. It does move a little bit around, but it never falls. Okay? So apparently, Daisy May is the new generation of turnip sellers in this game because her grandmother Joan did this job of selling turnips in previous games. I don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. So I looked this up. And like, so first of all, I, I asked your sister about this too, because I just think she's horrifying. And I, you know, your sister, Will's sister and I, um, sometimes play Animal Crossing together and then with our with um, our niece like we'll we'll get on there like we've had a little play date which is cute right uh-huh. and I'm like does Daisy May gross you out and she's like yes she does and I'm like I can't even buy turnips okay <laughs> I'm here on my island I'm trying to live my best life and I'm like I just can't I can't I look at her and I just can't do it I am so grossed out by the dripping well nose. it almost sounds like um there's like like a little Seinfeld episode on Animal Crossing where like like we can't get turnips anymore. I re- because <laughs> yes, it's like it's disgusting. Yes, like yes, Seinfeld would not handle Daisy May. Like it, it's like a whole shop that's completely shut well, down. Well, I mean, it belies how she handles the, um her hygiene with the vegetables, probably. Well, that's true. Thank goodness I'm not the one gonna eat these turnips because definitely would not touch them then. Very horrifying. Um, I looked it up. I Googled it Mm because I was like, is everyone grossed out by this gigantic (laughs) nose drop that's just there on her nose the whole time? Yeah, did her and did her ancestor whoever have it too? I guess her ancestor did not have it. And here's why I think this. Apparently, the nose drip is a common trope in anime. And it's like just there to show like like it's just shown that a character is like a kid and it's seen as cute and silly. Oh. Like, oh, look at the child. Oh, it's a little, you know, it's a little kid. Oh, so we know it's the uh, generational. Because, yeah. Oh, interesting. But to us, who are not the non-weebs, we're just like, <sighs> someone stop that child. Like, they are dripping their nose I all over 
cannot stand a runny nose on a child. I know. I cannot stand it. It's really bad. It's bad too. When no, it's... I won't even look at them. Like I would just turn around. Like, no, <laughs> we're like, get that child out of here. They're gonna infect the whole village. There's okay? nothing worse than a child with something disgusting in its face, just staring at you with its mouth open. Like, oh, we're gonna God. talk about staring God. later. So I'm glad okay. you said that. This the thing about being stared at. Okay. But yes, like it's. I just think that that's funny that that particular thing is so culturally ingrained in us because it's like we do not tolerate a runny nose on a. <laughs> child i mean like you know obviously you see kids run around they you can't stop them yeah. but it's like i might be you know what it might be it might be because culturally there's a type of child that has a runny nose yes. and it's from an obnoxious family and the child probably Co- also has ringworm <laughs> right and a staph infection on their hand from like you know like from like wipe you know just for just bad I, have, hygiene. I have some relatives whose children i can imagine looking like this and i think that's where most of my being upset comes from and see in my being upset comes from the fact that i don't want to be reminded of runny noses like i am an <laughs> allergy person and i hate it i always have yeah. been i'm also very sensitive to changes in weather so it's like outside and oh, i'm we outside want the dog once once either one of us starts our nose running the walk is over I was like, it's I over can't we do have it. to sprint home i i can't do it i got a pocket full of kleenex i'm trying to have my dignity yeah. here and i just can't don't remind me of that i'm trying to sit here and have a good time on my island <laughs> so i think daisy may should get the boot and i just pretend she's not there sundays from 7 to 12 which is when she shows up it's her, like, her I can't look family at you. business tanked and they don't know why <laughs> yeah they got a very simple pr problem <laughs> number seven keep it away from me For my first pick, it is your turn to kill it. It is the Frostbite Spider from Elder Scrolls Skyrim. <laughs> I love how you're so grossed out by that. You, you know which one I'm talking about. I do you know how I hate that one in particular. Yeah, I think that's funny. I love spiders in video games. I you know there are certain types of uh, monsters and NPCs that can show up in every video game, and it's not copying, and it's fine. And you have to have spiders. I hate them, and I want them. And the worse you can make them, the better. Uh, lots of them teeming is good, but also one giant meaty one is also good. Mm-hmm. And I think that Skyrim has the worst spider I have ever seen. Uh, and I don't, it's not just the spider itself, but I think it's the staging of the spider that was so disturbing. Um, I, I feel like they did a good job with the sound effects they, of it. I think yeah. that's I think that's something that you were reacting to, whether or not you noticed. Yeah, I think I think so because it wasn't just like you, uh, you know, got into this like uh, battlefield and then the the spider shows up. They really made you feel like you were walking into like uh, a spider's little house, and it's not okay because. It's like a quiet cave and they're building up the suspense because then you start having to go in through this like narrow knot hole and you cut webs and stuff. And then you hear it's trapped uh, humanoid victims who are webbed up yelling like, who's out there? Save me. (laughs) And things like that. 
And, uh, and you know what? What There's something like repugnant about that kind of a thing, too, is that when you see someone who is like afflicted with some kind of thing <laughs> over them, like whether it's like a web or like a goo, there's something in you that's like, I'm just going to leave him. <laughs> well, yes. It is a survival thing. It's like, yes. I can't be, I can't be I infected can be and invaded by whatever no. is, is happening here. I'm going to keep my distance. Well, when you, and when you get there, there's this gigantic, very lifelike, spider that comes down and it's a real meaty looking one and like Rebecca says it does all this like uh, wrestling and stuff Uh, and it's just it's just disgusting the way it moves it's very fast I don't like that Uh, I hate anything with a like a fat abdomen on a bug like any any bug that I think has meat in it I, I don't like that yeah that is the squishy part if you have to kill a spider, which I I try not to, honestly, like when I when I do see them in the house and they're not uh, like one of those innocuous corner spider bros that you just leave. Yeah. Like when I feel like I have to get rid of it, I do try to take them alive. Is that is that because you respect them or they're too gross or both? It's because I, I like I do respect a spider and symbolically I love a spider, uh-huh. right? Like I I love. Like, I, and I, I think it's mostly that because I love, like, casting filaments in the universe. I think that's very beautiful, right? So I want to see a real spider. I try not to do it. But sometimes, you know, maybe one startles you and you're like, bah! before you know what you've done, you're just like, and there's like a big meaty squish from it a depends big meaty because, middle. Because some of them are just uh, the size of them and the way they move is unacceptable to be in your house. And we can't risk touching it or, <laughs> it, get, or it getting on your running up your sleeve or something. Have you ever been bitten or had a fateful encounter with a spider? I have had a spider bite before. I didn't know it was happening okay. though. Like I just that would have been that's that's more disturbing to know it. Y- yeah, yeah, but like it wasn't. It was gross, but it wasn't like because we know. both lived in like scary spider country in the U.S. Uh, Yours is scarier though, and they're worse in Georgia than Tennessee because you're southern, more southern. But still, yeah, we had the brown recluses and we had the. Uh, Black widows, but there was one spider that is a lot grosser looking that I remember very well. In fact, I had to look it up because I just always mirror it, but I never bothered to look it up. I know everyone in Australia right now is just cackling. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, but uh, the, uh, first, first of all, my family wasn't rich, but everybody has a pool in southern Georgia. You just do, okay? His family so, was rich. So anyway, that's not true. No, no, but, the, the middle, upper, sure, uh, sure. middle class, solidly middle class to upper. Fair. Uh, And so uh, in the pool, uh, if you had like a float, if you would turn it over, sometimes there would be this gigantic meaty spider with a little fuzzy center. And it was so, so fast. And I would just shriek, just shriek like a dowager whenever I saw it. (laughs) And uh, and I uh, still do. Okay. Anyway, spiders. uh, Yeah. And frostbite spider is like the king of them for me, I think. Number six. Wow. I'm sorry, sir. Why don't you just tell me what you want done and I'll do it? Because ship captains control their own vessels, young man. But, sir, you don't do it yourself. You give the orders, but somebody else does it. So you mean I'm drunk? At number six, is there anything worse than a gifted child who is the darling of the adults around them? 
No. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) I was rhetorical, obviously. No, there's not. And that's why my next pick is Lieutenant Junior Grade Wesley Crusher, the Uh special boy of the Uh Enterprise D on Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I want to unpack this. And I know, like, okay, so I didn't prepare, like, a ton of notes. And I also figured that anyone who listens to this podcast is probably familiar with Wesley Crusher, but just in case they're not, what are just some tidbits about Wesley Crusher um, on TNG? Um, They, they sort of suggest he's like a, a prodigy and they give him like some like honorary position on the enterprise. Cause he's like Dr. Beverly Crusher's son, but then he also is kind of trying to get into Starfleet and he's a know-it-all. And then they eventually kind of acknowledge in the show that he's a know-it-all. Uh, but he's, he's just, he's just kind of a obnoxious wonderkind who's always getting into trouble because yeah. he thinks he's too special. And he's, and he's always showing the adults, you know, the error of their ways in some dumb way. Like in that episode where all, they all got obsessed with the virtual reality <laughs> That's game, what I'm thinking about. Except yeah. for Wesley. And you remember, this is just him being annoying. It's just an- annoying. Do you remember the episode where uh, Picard chose to violate the Prime Directive by beaming him out when Wesley <laughs> was sentenced to death for trampling some bushes on that really weird naked white leggings and out, like, Oh, that's the one where they're, like, throwing planet. the frisbee and then yes. he, like, falls in the bushes and they're, like... And they're, like, he should be killed. And, and everybody on the Enterprise is, like, oh, it was fair. Fair. <laughs> protocol. Protocol. It's a so. prime directive. Prime, do not. We're not going to meddle. And then, of course... They, oh, remember the one where out. he's, like, in Starfleet Academy and he's in, like, the uh, Special Boy pilot program and then they do something really obnoxious and risky and somebody dies? Yes, because he was competing with a boy who was as good as him and he couldn't take it. His little ego couldn't take yeah, it. Yeah, which was a good episode and, and a good... And, a, and, like, treating him like a real character. So that was... Yeah. And and the actor, the I'm sure very nice in real life, Will Wheaton, yeah. was kind of done dirty by how they made the character because right. it was really a lot of... Lazy writing, I think. And, and, you know, I think we've established by now, too, like, he was the big get for uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. You're like, okay, well, what names do we have attached to this project? And his was, like, the big name. He was the most well-known of all the cast members. Yeah, because he had been in Stand By Me. Yeah. And he was a breakout young film star. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, I really. Of course, do. they were going to have Wesley Snipes as LaForge, so imagine that. That would have been a different <laughs> kind of have. bridge. I feel yeah. it's just like a different vibe. I think. I think Lavar. I think we just have a hard time imagining anyone besides Lavar. Okay, in that remember role. where we read that thing about how Wesley Snipes refused to blink in one of his movies? Yeah, and they had to CG his eyes. His yes. eyes. So closed maybe that's where they open. got the idea for LaForge's visor because they planned for <laughs> Wesley. I was like, if he's going to do that it's, crap, then we're going to give him a space age visor because that's just crazy. So. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. God, that, I love Wesley Snipes also, but yeah, I do too. All right. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, back to Wesley Crusher, the other Wesley. So I I do feel that a lot of the fan upsetness was justified. Apparently, there was a lot of backlash at the time, which I mean, we were kids, so we didn't really know. And um, I think it was one of those things where it's like they wanted younger people to like the show. And so, you know, younger people did like him. They liked having a little Mary Sue on the Enterprise to be Uh like, that's... That could be me in among the stars, you know. I think, uh-huh. <laughs> and he was in all the teeny bopper magazines, and I know my sister had a crush on him. It was like him and Jonathan Brandis, and 
Yeah, a little bit. Well, later. after that, a little yeah. bit oh, later. Yeah, okay, yeah okay. but it's the, you know it's the All same right. it's the same archetype yeah. of the the boy typing on the keyboards who's so good at it. Yeah. But um, I wanted to unpack this because I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, a guy named Iko Klosterman went through and analyzed the IMDb ratings of each episode of TNG to prove to his girlfriend that Wesley Crusher was annoying. This was a Medium.com article. Okay. He did find that every Wesley episode had a lower average rating than non-Wesley episodes, <laughs> which is funny. I assume he did a statistical significance on analysis. Uh-huh. I'm sure it was. Um, and he did this with a few more characters just to sort of test, just to see if the, you know if this was a thing. And all of his results seem to be about how you would imagine. Uh, the episodes with John Delancey, for example, were higher rated. Any episode where Whoopi was on it as uh, mm-hmm. Guinan or whatever, like sh- th- those were a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, um, the episodes that featured Barkley, remember him? The Oh, his were great episodes. Yeah, yeah, and just as a character who appeared on certain episodes, when he was around, those episodes tended to do, like, a- on average, better. Interesting. But um, also, you would not be surprised to learn that people did prefer Dr. Crusher to Dr. Pulaski. Uh-huh. So anyway, but, but just stuff like that. I think the final straw for people on the show came when he decided you said like he he was sort of hot and cold with starfleet he was like i'm gonna be a starfleet man Mm -hmm. but then he decided he wasn't gonna be a starfleet man because you know there were rules and he wasn't the most special boy and it was a meritocracy he couldn't stand that because he was born special and was you know you know he just needed to be the most special boy on the room and so uh after all of that he shows up he he goes to explore the galaxy with mm-hmm. the traveler mm-hmm. who's you know told him again like how special he was like what a special special little boy he was and so Wesley takes a space gap year to find himself backpacking <laughs> through space Europe with the traveler and I think that was the thing that people were like this is just gross like we can't stand him That was literally the the Simpsons poochie ending. Like, I have to go back to my own planet. (laughs) It's the same. He literally did that. And it is just so funny. Like, I just, I just think there's just something about like a smarmy, a smarmy little know-it-all. Even if you are smart, you need to learn. Yeah, you're not not smart in all ways. Exactly. You need to learn that there are ways that you need to act when you're the smartest person in the room so that people will listen to you. He needs an admiral to sit him down and be like, or Picard to sit him down and be like, Wesley, you have a dearth of emotional intelligence. (laughs) That's exactly right. Like, that wasn't on your little entrance exam, but it's important in life, Wesley. Sir, I know this may finish me as an acting ensign, but... Shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley? Doctor. And since I am finished here, sir, may I point out that... Shut up, Wesley. Number five. I am amused that out of the gate, all of our picks are about gross children. Here comes, (laughs) here comes another one. This, uh, I was going to say that I think this whole podcast could just be me enumerating my neuroses, but I think <laughs> that's all every podcast. I guess that's true. This one, I think captures a lot of things I have a problem with in, in one category here. Uh, so as we discussed, a lot of things bother me when they have to do with slobby, sl- slobby children. So this pick, 
um, which in a way could be number one because it contains multitudes, is the child with tomato sauce all over her mouth at the end of the Fazoli's commercial that aired. From what year? In about year 2000. <laughs> okay. This is like a deep cut. But you know what? You're not here for Pizza the Hut. You're here for the deep cuts. Fazoli's girl, I assume. Did you track down the commercial so no, you can watch it again? No, I couldn't find the actual commercial. I looked at a lot of them. So it lives in your memory stronger, perhaps, than even the real life version. Who knows? Yeah. Who's to say? I mean, yes. And so my browser cookies are all confused now. But <laughs> they know I really want to go to Fazoli's. But uh, uh, for, I guess for those of you who aren't familiar uh-huh. with Fazoli's, it is a, I would say, a fast, casual Italian chain. That's right. Where you go up to a counter and you get like, you order like spaghetti. Yeah, right? I was going to say it's like and breadsticks. Pizza Hut for Italian food. Yeah, but like, yeah, but not but not good. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like if Olive Garden, if you wanted to take your children to Olive Garden, but it's too fancy for them because there's cloth napkins uh-huh. and the they can't be trusted to not ruin people's dates. And they're going to ask Garden. them how much cheese and the kid will never tell them. And yeah, because yeah. And then they just, but they want all of the cheese and they right. basically want to be eating red sugar water. <laughs> so you go to Fazoli's. And Fazoli's knows this. And that's why a lot of the commercials do feature children. I could not find this commercial, but uh, it did exist in the year 2000. Cause I remember it was the first year I went to college and it, that commercial was on nonstop. Can you can you explain? Maybe you can explain why you think this horrifies me so much. <laughs> well, I guess first of all, I'm just sort of exploring for the first time in my mind the possibility that just Fazoli's is gross. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, I guess there's the the marketing promise of a special family time that uh-huh, grosses you out because uh-huh. I think that is sort of like the innate promise of a lot of restaurant marketing is that you know your your family can enjoy this together. And, uh, and that it's a treat for them, even though, and it's okay that you don't cook because of course that is one of the many ridiculous things that is expected of everyone all the time. The nuclear family is very broken. Like it does, it doesn't work guys. Child rearing does not work the way that we're asked to do it. And I don't understand why everybody just goes along with it. And I feel like we should raise our children in communes, not unlike the one in midsummer, just without the suicide cult part and without the bear burning. That's okay too. You can leave that out. Oh, and without the special lemonade, you know what I'm talking about. However, the rest of it, is pretty good. Uh, well, I think you're on to something about <laughs> like being offended by the uh, uh, family atmosphere that's that's in it because I, I think what bugs me is I'm thinking about going to this place and having the kind of experience that I want, which is just like uh, a solitary, nice, get it done, but it's a little better than other stuff. And then there is this slob monster that is over there making a mess and just grinning into ear. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. So I've sort of buried the lead here. I got to describe the commercial. Duh. So, so anyway, they say all the stuff about the specials and everything and kids can come and I don't even remember, but then there's this little girl that's like, I don't know, like the checkered tablecloth and she turns to the camera and then she goes, Fazoli's. I just figured it out, Will. I know why it grosses you out. Okay. It's because of the presumed intimacy of like yeah. treating Fazoli's as their home. It's like I have to be part of and their family. And you're in their family. Yeah, I don't want to be part of their family. And you're in their mess and that, you have to be a part of it. Being my child in- would not be doing that. 
and she got, but I hate the way she, I hate the way nobody is uh, managing this child and she's turning and she's got it all over their face and she, and he's like, Fazalev. Yeah. Like, I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. And it's they put it on like screen and they put it in my living room. They put it in my dorm room <laughs> that I'm, I've tried it's my dorm room, which is already disgusting enough and they're making You're it more trying disgusting. trying to play the boat game on Xbox. Yes, yes. The original boat we're, game. Yeah, we're trying to play Blood Wake on Blood Xbox. Wake. She's <laughs> ruining it. So uh, I, I will close by just uh, quickly listing some um, very specific uh, things that gross me out. Okay. Okay. Because that because they're sort of similar. I just needed to catch all here. Okay. Yeah. Some very let's just let's things. hear it. That's what One we're here for. Very specific, but I hate more than anything. Okay. <laughs> it's when kids are at a party and jump in the pool <laughs> with Dorito cheese on their fingers, and when they. <laughs> <laughs> You know I hate this. You know I do. I know, but I just and, like and what, what kind of a countdown is this? And when they surface, they they are coming up with like wet residue, cheese residue all over their fingers. Oh, no, I just hate it. It's I been hate clean, this. It's been cleaned off by the pool. Yeah, I hate it. I cannot stand that. Okay, running noses and wiping noses at all. Can't stand it. Curly haired lap dogs. Disgusting. I don't like them. Dripping ice cream cones. As soon as it drips, that ice cream cone's done. I don't care how much is left. <laughs> you blew it. You should have eaten it fast. Well, that it's is done. your fault for not being able to eat an ice cream cone fast. Hey, remember when we That's were... like half the reason we're married is because we're going to get my ice cream when I'm done. No, oh, I can't I was... eat ice cream anymore anyway. But Well, but remember when we were in, in beautiful New England yeah. with, our, with our friend and we were having like boardwalk ice cream cones yeah. and you just knew you're like, okay, I'm going to eat this ice cream a little bit, but it's going to start to melt. And I'm like, baby, I got you. Yeah. Because once yours started melting, I had already eaten mine. And I'm like, give me that. Like, you know. Well, yeah. <laughs> Your Rebecca's just like around the side. Of her, How? She's like, like got dog. like a prehensile tongue that just folds up and rolls in like a yo-yo. It has like a seagull swooping down and just like, mine. Yeah. And then, and then uh, clipped collage characters that were real popular like in the 90s, like on the Trapper Keeper, like when they do like stop motion, like they're cut cutouts of all the oh, different things i hate it it just grosses me out oh i just hate it i hate it okay <laughs> it makes well, my skin crawl you know what this is your podcast okay. and you could talk about whatever yeah. you want all right to talk about. let's move on <laughs> for Zoe's. number four hey babe i hope you're enjoying dinner yeah everything's fine <laughs> Bye. At number four, this is another relatively new entry into the world, but I'm excited to be disgusted by it. I bring you boy POV TikTokers <laughs> as a group en masse at number four. I didn't, okay? even, I didn't even know this was a thing till you told me, but I just can't believe it's real. I can't believe it's real either. Okay. This is this is the time of the podcast where we finally sound like legitimate old people and complain about TikTok. But okay. it's worth, it's, it's true. It doesn't mean it's not true. Okay. So, so first of all, I think TikTok is a great medium. It is okay. like short form comedy and short form content has a place and and it's you know it allows a lot of people to be really incredibly creative and funny and not even funny like you can also share serious stuff on tiktok like it is a great platform that one guy who did the video of 
this is your um, guidance counselor at your school getting up to ask somebody something in the back of the office, and it's like this is how they walk. Oh <laughs> my god! Like I flash back to every guidance counselor I've ever had. It's so funny. It's yeah, I mean, just brilliant little comedic moments are captured so perfectly in this format. So like, I am not an old person complaining about TikTok. Okay, I'm an old person complaining about children. It's okay. a little different. Oh, another one. It is another one. Well, I consider it children. Yeah, okay? they're children. Adolescence is weird, okay? I remember it well. And it's like, I remember what it's like to be a teenage girl longing for love. Or mm-hmm. like longing for the attention of a boy who likes you back or loves you back. I remember what that feels like, okay? <laughs> I remember, like, I remember being like 13 years old and like there was like, I don't know. There were like town hangouts where cool people would go. And I remember like there was this one punk boy that nobody knew. It's like he didn't go to our school, but he would show up at various places downtown. And he always wore like sleeveless t-shirts and he had a black flag tattoo. And we just thought he was the best looking guy ever. And I just remember wanting to go downtown and be like, maybe he's there. Like, we never talked to him. We hadn't exactly we had no inkling of doing it, but just it was thrilling to see him mm-hmm. and just be like, "What a boy!" Okay, so <laughs> I remember what that's like, right? The world doesn't implode under the weight of all of that teenage puppy dog desire because hopefully and helpfully. Most people slash guys in this instance are clueless when it comes to whether someone likes them or not. Mm -hmm. Most boys, when you are a young teenage girl, speaking from my experience, I mean, like they would be like, do you like me? What? Like they don't know. And that's another reason why we like guys because they're just, they're, they're, they're like that as, Mm -hmm. as like a teenage boy is clueless. If somebody actually does like him, he's like, does she like me? And she's like, Yes, I asked you out, and he's like, I thought that was a joke. Like, no, like, they're stupid, and that's why this works. I, everyone's stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not ragging. That, I think that's voice. a real thing about the boy brains not fully forming until they're, like, it's like 22 or something. Yes. I, I totally believe that. I remember, like, decisions I made or what I thought, like, before then. I, I believe that. Yeah, I mean, and young people aren't fully grown up, right? And so it's like, it's a good, you know, it's a good thing that they're a little bit clueless and we sort of let them out into the world on training wheels. (laughs) But what... So this is so this is the genre of TikTok videos that just completely grosses me out because there is such thing as... We'll just call it boyfriend POV or whatever. Uh POV videos where, just imagine, there's like a good-looking kid... And there's music playing and he's kind of lip syncing to it. Not really. He makes flirty looks at the camera and he'll put captions on the video that describe a scenario like we're in class and I notice you staring at me. (laughs) And so it's like this good looking boy is like making flirty eyes at the camera and like maybe says some stuff like, like what you let me to? I like you back. And like, weirdly enough, this is popular with the very young fan base, which uh-huh. I understand why that's a thing. Because again, like go back to like nineties scripted shows and watch my so-called life and tell me how many minutes of camera time that like piercing gazes from Jordan Catalano, just get like <laughs> tons of screen time. Like I understand why a girl, a teenage girl on TikTok or teenage boy, like a young, a young person on TikTok might 
like that, but it grosses me out because no one should tell a child that he's good looking. <laughs> well, they, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to unpack this and not sound like a jerk. Well, well. There, are some, um, <clears throat> there are some of the prompts that they give that just show you how much they are into themselves because just, they just border on absurdity. Like, because they start like getting weird. They're like, like, you come up to me and say you want to break up. And I'm like, what? But then we get back together. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. I told you guys what happened. I know. So then why do you keep asking me if I'm okay? I guess I'm waiting for an answer that I believe. And it's all like that. Like, and I understand that desire to, to experience and practice do, like that kind of drama in your life. I really get it. But then where it loses me as an old person. It's because they think they're grown. That's what's so gross. It's because they think they're grown and because they think they're cute. Yeah. I am not your mommy, son. I don't think you're cute. Do not make eye contact with me on this TikTok. Yeah, so I am the, offended. The problem is that these things start showing up on our grown-up Instagram things. <laughs> oh, okay, so a lot of this I'm noticing is we don't like our environment being invaded yeah grossness has to do with feeling like you're you're being invaded yeah like either by spiders or children yes or <laughs> yeah by like floopy hair little boys <laughs> who think they're looking at me yeah. like no you are not do not make eye contact with me you are a child and i don't think you're cute yeah Pe- but it's and it's okay yeah. it, you know i'm you know if you like that kind of a thing that's fine you know but yeah, you might want to see somebody who's uh, do what would happen if uh, there's a boy who's being mean to you, and then I come over like I'm going to beat him up, and you say, it's cool, and then we're all friends, but I got my eye on him. <laughs> that would be a bad Tell me now when you're going to call me, call me. Told you that I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Number three. You guys didn't tell me you were coming. Well, we didn't want to spoil the wondrousness of this moment. Crystal, you look like you bought out the mall. Oh, it's tempting. Everybody's having two-for-one sales, one-cent sales, half-price sales, and I'd love to get a set of towels. Attention, Springathon shoppers. For the next half hour, in addition to our regular 15% discount, there will be an additional 10% discount at towels, etc. Oh, my Lord, this is incredible. This woman has been kissed by the gods. I'm getting down. All right, I'm going to wrestle with this one a little bit because she got better later. But at her worst, she should be number one on this list because she just bums me out so bad. (laughs) I just can't stand her. Maybe you can help me figure out why she gets under my skin so bad. This is one of those that isn't visually gross but makes me recoil. This is Crystal from Roseanne. (laughs) The very good 90s sitcom from before Roseanne went crazy. Yeah, and I know, I knew this one was coming. This is, yeah, this is the one you knew about. And it's perfectly fair, too, because if I, you know, if I'm allowed to be grossed out by, like, legions of teenage boys just doing teenage boys stuff, then you are allowed to be grossed out by Crystal for no good reason. <laughs> if not for no good reason. Well, okay. For good, for reasons that are good to you and known to okay. you. So, okay. So, let's uh, figure, let's figure out Will's thing about Crystal from Roseanne. If you have, uh, so, okay, it, I, I don't know how familiar you are with Roseanne, but, uh, you know, this is like uh, comedy nerd people love it, especially starting around season three or four. But especially at the beginning, featured prominently is their uh, friend Crystal, and uh, Crystal is like Roseanne and Dan's friend from I guess from high school. Yeah, from probably. high school. Yeah, okay. And you don't know your Crystal lore like I do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, and um, 
the purpose of this character, well, I guess if I was to describe what she looks like, she's like, she's very matronly, and she's always got some, like, in my head, she's always got some sort of, like, shawl, sweater type thing, and, like, light blue, horrible blue jeans, and she's got so, this so awful, choppy haircut. And she does have a very early 90s, late 80s bob. She is a foil for Roseanne in a lot of ways, because where Roseanne is known for being very brash and, and you know, uh-huh. says what she wants to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, Crystal is supposed to be the gentler energy and someone who is maybe taken aback by some of the stuff Roseanne says. She, it's not played simply, though. They really make her a real character. Well, but eventually, eventually. Eventually, Because uh, the part I can't stand about her is especially at the beginning, uh, the, I think the I think the main purpose for her originally was she's supposed to be this like faux folksy shorthand to show you what a quaint blue collar real folks small town Lanford Illinois really was. Now that is true. That in the first season she was just another person who worked at Wellman Plastics. And that's uh, that's with specifically what I'm yeah. thinking about. And it just repulsed me for several reasons. And I, I, the first one is I hate. Uh, performance like we discussed you know how i can't stand somebody holding a cup with two hands to feel cozy yeah okay it's such a put on the way she talks like she talks in a way nobody else in town does and by like season four when they got the smart writers in i think somebody even like made a joke about it when they were rehabbing her character and they're like where do you talk like that where are you from anyway and she like blows up she's like i'm from arkansas she's you know my it. father came from arkansas and yeah, yeah that was and that funny. was really funny and it kind of made me start to like her a little more once they started to do that and the second thing is i hate fake southern folksy stuff uh, I think the only worst character I could think of is Darlene from Ozark, who's always making a mess of something in the kitchen. And then finally... <laughs> and by that, you mean like a mess of turnip greens yes, and not a messy made, kitchen experience. Yeah, I made a mess of potatoes for us to eat. Yeah, Nobody really says that Absolutely casually. Not. And it's also only, not regionally ubiquitous either. And it's not. And even if it was, that is so funny because it's like even people who are Southern... And who come from that whole background, like, would only say that to, to be, be funny. cute or funny yeah. or ironic. It's like or somebody whatever. in the '60s saying "groovy." They know they're being funny. Yeah, you know, you're. Yeah, it's a silly thing to say. No one says, "I'm going to cook us up a whole oh, mess right, of." Right. That's that's <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, so I guess I can't blame Crystal or something somebody else did, but it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> you're like, but. Uh, and then and then like the biggest thing I think is I feel like. Especially at the beginning, she was like a barnacle on a show that was trying to be great. Even in the early seasons, you can see the promise of something really special happening in this show. And then Crystal will blow into the scene and it's some terrible and it's like some terrible writer is determined to make the show something he still wants it to be that it is not. Like he still wants it to be like, no, this is a show about blue collar people. It's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It, well, not in that way. It's not a really smart yeah, I was going to say, especially because they didn't even it's not get a it fake right. Folksy. You don't have to write a cliche. Uh, and that's, and they, they were, they were really, dra- she, every time she showed up, she was dragging the show into cliche. Well, and I'm actually just remembering this episode from season one, which oh, I, I have an encyclopedic uh, knowledge of. I wonder Roseanne. if you're going to talk about the one I'm going to talk about. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, like what you were just saying, I think the, there was a lot of problems with the writing staff. And I know that was a constant issue with that show. But mm-hmm. I feel that they were almost trying to have it both ways. Yes. Where they were like, what a fun blue collar town. But then also ascribe this... this uh, uh, pathos that was mm-hmm. like pitiful mm-hmm. because there was an episode if you remember like the backstory was that crystal's husband died in a bridge construction mm-hmm. accident that. 
And they played it for laughs because this was supposed to be many like years later or whatever where Crystal couldn't drive over the bridge where her husband had been killed yeah. on site. And then they treated it like a gag on the show that he died and like fell into one of the pillars. And so he was like, is still inside one of the concrete pillars yeah. of the bridge. And it's like, so what is this? Are we talking about how blue collar people are thriving and surviving in spite of, uh, being thrust into the capitalist system where they're ground down by the oppressor or like, are we making fun of the fact that bridge safety was not like construction (laughs) safety wasn't a thing? Like what are we making fun of here? And it was punching down instead of punching up, which means it was bad comedy. Okay. So that was not Crystal's fault. Although the characters suffered because of that. And eventually it got to be like a really good look at blue collar because they were real people. Like Darlene was like, cool 90s the way like we were like in the comic books and stuff and then her family's struggling financially and how do you be a real person and dare to have any dreams of leaving your town when you can't but they do all this cliche stuff and there's one scene i just have to mention i wonder if you remember what i'm gonna know what i'm gonna say because it just i just hate it so bad it's when they uh go to the mall and then Crystal blows into the scene and she's talking about this insane idea uh that there's this blue light special and it's like some ridiculous thing that i don't even know how it would work hey you guys how was one what the blue light price oh it was just incredible the blue light went off when i was in town etc i mean it's just nonsense that is garbage. an idea that could only live in the cocaine mind of an 80s <laughs> screenwriter yes not knowing that we would put this on dvds later <laughs> But then, like, they do rehab her, and I think a thing they did with her that really works is she tries to do this folksy, nice thing, but it's like, this is her keeping a lid on a lot of very simmering stress, and then she cracks sometimes, like, like damn, this kid's driving me crazy, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's really funny, and it really worked. And um, Yeah, and the same way I would say, like, you know, her trying to be more a little more upper class or a little more middle class that that is also a facade that cracks whenever uh-huh. you know like the reality of her financial situation comes out and, and that frustration ekes out like or trickles out yeah. as well so it was, her, it was her personality mainly that was grossing me out I guess, <laughs> in season one well now that i'm thinking about it I, I feel that it's the writing that grossed me out because it was not taking aim at the right thing which is always capitalism you hear me and Crystal. <laughs> crystal capitalism. No. I'm sorry, Crystal. Well, then, Dave Carter, you don't get your coat back. Number two. The only, the only way that I'm ever going to step down the only as way. chairman of this organization is the day Now, when I tell you that my final pick, our number two pick, comes from the world of wrestling, your mind's going to race to think of who this might be. I'm, I'm thinking Bastion Booger. Well, I was going to say, you know, like the Nasty Boys, wow, that's who were street one. punks with missing teeth. <laughs> you know, Bastion Booger, who wore an outfit that looked like a gray bandage and his finisher was dropping his butt <laughs> on an opponent's face. Am I going to pick Bastion Booger? No! 
To me, there is no one grosser in professional wrestling than WWE Chairman Vince McMahon. Okay? And I, so, so back up a little bit, all right? Now, Vince has used his talents in ring as well as behind the scenes, okay? And this was particularly effective in the Attitude Era when um, we were all in high school and all the boys loved to do the D-Generation X crotch chop on the band bus. Uh-huh. Like, you know, just as a, uh-huh. <laughs> as a thing. Yeah, I, I would like to point out my fr- my, me and my friends were uh, NWO and not <laughs> DX. But, but um, I mean, th- this was the time in wrestling when everything just got gross and wacky and wild. Yeah. And Vince did have the idea to turn himself into a heel persona um, very effectively uh-huh. in the ring, right? And, I mean, he did things during this time. Like, he made Trish Stratus crawl around the ring on all fours and bark like a dog. And then he made a number of wrestlers who lost literally kiss his ass in the ring mm-hmm. as a punishment or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. But I might not be talking about stuff like that so much as I might be talking about maybe probably the time he bought off the cops after Jimmy Snuka murdered his girlfriend, Nancy Argentino. And I've tried to find out what happened in that room back in 83. And nobody knows. Jimmy said to me, Vince came down with his briefcase and said to him, it's over, don't worry about it, it's done. And he thought it was done. There's no transcript of the meeting. It's the only interview there's no transcript of. And then seemingly the investigation stops there. And the, yes. maybe a little bit more about how he routinely ignores traumatic brain injuries from its stars of WWE and treats the WWE talent as independent contractors while at the same time forbidding them from earning money by streaming on Twitch. So I, have, I hate to take our like delightful, gross discussion of Fazoli's children and turn it around and be like, Vince McMahon is a real piece of but he kind of is. Uh-huh. And it's I find it so fascinating that in a world that's just full of characters and that's full of real life heartache and real life, you know, uh Oh, don't forget people, don't forget that um uh he also recently took the WWE over to Saudi Arabia right after they murdered a journalist. Oh right. And then and then the and then uh the guy who did it's like in the crowd. I mean Yeah, I keep forgetting all of that. I mean it's so, real I mean, dark. When there's you... a laundry list of stuff. Like I, I just think it's so fascinating that in the world of wrestling, like there's no way that you've been able to have a career without playing nice with Vince McMahon at some point. Yeah. But anyway, I, I feel like the world of independent wrestling and the world of social media combined are are ready to sort of take on this dominance that WWE has enjoyed for far too long. Yeah. Let Triple H run the place. We know Stephanie won't get it because of his notable misogyny too. <laughs> that's ter- am I I was going to say am I being mean, too mean to Vince McMahon, but I no, think that's really okay. Bad. I'm reading uh, Jim Ross's latest book and I I do love all of the weird Howard Hughes details about Vince that he keeps just kind of dropping. You know, because yeah. he's too respectful to actually say anything bad. Yeah. But just stuff like if he picks up a piece of pizza, he can't eat the part that he touched because he's such a germaphobe. Mm-hmm. Just that's a, that's a person who really has an excessive need for control. It, I think it's about time for him to go the way of the XFL. How about that? Oh, mentions. 
Uh, I have the sea monkeys that were like a big phenomenon in the 90s. <laughs> You're like, I just don't like little shrimp in a yeah, jar. Yeah, they're just weird. <laughs> um, I don't like the Six Flags old man uh, who did all the dancing. Yeah, with the, uh, I don't yeah, like that little, thing. A little uncanny. I could see that. That I already mentioned the um, curly-haired lap dogs. Yeah. And then <laughs> yes, also, you did. Uh, oh, and I had uh, the uh, the nose drip person from Animal Crossing, which you already covered. Oh, okay. Well, good. I'm glad that you that you thought of me in the list. Yeah. Um. Well, to that I add children who jump in the pool with Dorito dust on their fingers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why? I just love that. That's such a thing in your mind. The only thing that I could add really is that I have to acknowledge that. Um, Danny DeVito as the penguin is a fantastic mm. gross out character, but I already picked him for mm-hmm. stuff, but I adore how mm-hmm. gross he is. Like his grossness is wonderful. <laughs> so who's your number one gross of all time? Number one. There is nothing under your bed, and I want you to just go to sleep, okay? There was a monster! There are no monsters. If you say there's no monster, then switch rooms with me. Boo. <laughs> Tonight is your lucky night. Imagine a world solely of kids. No teachers, no rules, no homework, no parents. Come on now! This is one I'm really happy about. I can't believe I remembered it. I'm glad I did. I'm totally interested in this all over again once I looked at it. Uh, this is Maurice, the monster under Fred Savage's bed in the 1989 film Little Monsters. Okay. I'm remembering, I think. Yeah. Okay. This is 89, so we were pretty young, but this was definitely a heavily rented movie at the video store. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I could picture the box art mm-hmm. of that. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the I'll catch you up. The premise is there's a monster who shows up under Fred Savage's bed and shows him the secret world of monsters who are living every kid's dream in the monster world, where they eat candy and play video games all night and travel to kids' houses at night to play pranks on them. And then as Fred Savage does worse pranks with the monsters, he starts to become one. And it's actually a pretty good little metaphor, and it looked like a good rewatch. Okay. Um, so, so, so should we pick this one up again? Uh, yeah, it <laughs> looks pretty good. Is it currently streaming on any major streaming platform? I'm sure, platform? I'm sure. Uh, but let's talk about Maurice. Maurice is like a punk Beetlejuice. Okay. And I hate him. Uh, the way he looks makes me really mad. He's such a slob. It's funny that Beetlejuice was supposed to be sort of a gross-out character, too. I know, but, but he was But he's just cool. so charming. We he just cool. loved him. Yeah. But for, like, Maurice, I felt like his dad. When I look at him, the things I object to, I'm like, turn your horns the right way up. <laughs> get you, get rid of that mohawk. Wash your face. There are all these little spots on it. Uh, cut your nails. Wear some clothes that fit. Uh, but the grossest thing about him is his personality. It's Howie Mandel, but... <laughs> I don't know if it's his fault. Is it really Howie Mandel? Yeah, it's a very young Howie Mandel. (laughs) Okay. Um, I would call him like a manic pixie dream troll. (laughs) I mentioned mentioned he's like an off-brand Beetlejuice, but he's very manic. Um, He's like a cool middle school teacher doing a Jim Carrey impression the entire time. And it's like, dude, just stop. Just calm down. Take a walk on the wild side. And there is... 
Yeah, like how hard do you need to sell it? You're a monster living I under know, somebody's bed. I know, but he's always they do all this like, like um post like. ADR stuff or like he's like doing a little jig around when he's excited and it has all his like jacket rustling and like like just weird oh, stuff. Oh, I hate that. Um, but there is one scene, the only scene I remembered uh, that was just fantastic where, you know how I mentioned that Fred Savage and him are going to do these pranks where there's this bully at school who's played by the same kid who's Buzz from uh, Home Alone. And, okay. And uh, he, Fred Savage hates him. And so... Uh, Fred Savage gets the monster to help him play a prank. And so they show up under his bed at night and laugh at how he has a teddy bear and everything. And then they go to the refrigerator and find this kid's lunch. And he's going to eat a tuna sandwich. So uh, they replace the tuna with cat food. But then before they go, uh, Howie Mandel gets his apple juice, drinks it all, and then pees in it. It's really so happening. the cat food prank was harmless, but the pea juice is a bridge too far. Right, Howie Mandel. Yeah, and then like, and and, and and but we're training this like it's fine. But when I saw this when I was a kid, you know, say what you will, could not believe this was going to happen. Like I was so excited. Like, and then he's going to drink it, and then he's going to drink it, and uh, I just couldn't believe it. And then they have a whole very slow roll next scene, like a whole lunch thing where Fred's just waiting for him to get it. And it worked exactly like they would have wanted it to. I mean, oh it was just God. masterful kid storytelling. That just seems like putting bad ideas in a children's heads. It's funny you should say that. Because this became a very popular prank in Boy Scouts. Oh my God. <laughs> and we were successful a couple of times. <laughs> I'm just horrified. That's horrible. You would not want to have been a boy. No. Before, you know, before now when we like know about like hands-on parenting and stuff. I mean, I mean. I it, think they knew about it in the 80s. They just didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they weren't parented, and so it sort of, they neglected us in different ways. Anyway. So he's, I mean, he's this little blue blue Maurice guy. He's very upsetting looking. I just can't stand him. But now I kind of like love to hate him because it's like a 90s historical artifact. And also, like the bones of this story were pretty good. Um, and I, I was interested in it all over again. And every time I see Fred Savage acting as a kid, he was really good. He's very natural. Yeah, unlike Wesley Crusher. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and his little brother is the uh, is his little brother in it, and then his little sister is one of the little monsters. It's very cute. Oh, that is cute. <laughs> Everybody watched that movie. So if you want to be grossed out in a good way, but really grossed out by by Howie Mandel, um, <laughs> Howie if Mandel, you be grossed out by Howie Mandel, who is notoriously super OCD and uh, insane hand washing guy, which is very funny to me. So that is also funny, and he has that. In, that yeah, <laughs> has that in common with me? You amaze me. Exactly. Well, I feel like we maybe didn't corner the market on everything completely gross, but we certainly went sailing on the seas of our own personal gross meters. Yeah, we did. We did. I'm very proud of us for figuring out the thing about like the invasion thing is very much tied and up in And the presumed that. intimacy is yeah. always gross. Mm -hmm. Don't presume intimacy with me mm -hmm. or you, but I'm talking about myself. Uh, and then what visually do we not like? I mean... Runny noses. Runny noses. Yeah, runny noses and bugs, <laughs> I guess. Bobby nose. Stick a Kleenex up it. 
<laughs> yeah, I would that's rather even just better. see that. I can deal with that's just a slobby, but it's better. At least I know you're thinking about it. <laughs> so <laughs> have shame about your body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if you have thoughts about gross stuff, I'm telling you, you can tell us. You could tell us. You could go on Twitter right now. I, I want people to do it so bad, and yet I cannot ever remember what the handle is. And the handle is what, Rebecca? You can find us on Twitter at WizardsMSPod. I would love, you know what I would love? I would love for people to send us a list of things that gross them out without any context. I didn't take anything from you. It's not embarrassing. Just send us things that gross you out and I will read, we will read them next episode. Okay. But if you say mayonnaise, I'm going to tell you that I love mayonnaise right now, but that's okay. <clears throat> that's, yeah. that's a fight for the future. Yeah. Or visit curdleholler.com to catch up on our Halloween comedy audio series as we start writing and recording season three, which will be out at the end of summer. Yes. Uh, Thanks for listening. We will see you next week when we call forth new champions. The legends they tell of a hero Facing down fears and cutting down foes There's no resemblance to what you know own deeds feel humble and few, but you've waded through tedious waves in a world gray and flat, you're still here.